Emma, I'm glad you're here. Some of you have not been here. We've been, I think this is our fourth, maybe our fourth message on, I've been uh, working on the principle of brokenness. The principle of brokenness is this. Anything, anything great that God has done or ever will do is through a broken life. And so we have covered, we, we worked old Jacob over pretty, pretty much. He got, and I'm not going back to him. He's, but he was an example of, of a broken servant that God had to break before he could use. Uh, he'll have to do that with every one of us. Hosea chapter 12 says that Jacob prevailed with prayer and tears, crying. And uh, he had to be broken. Jacob had to be broken out of Jacob before he could become Israel and become the uh, servant of the Lord. And sometimes we take those characters lightly, but you know, the book of Genesis, God spends maybe two or three chapters. By the time you get to chapter 11, He's covered all the creation, all the universe, and all the peoples of the whole world. And then from chapter 10, He spends 40 chapters on his chosen people and it begins with Abraham and then Isaac Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and he'll spend 40 chapters on those four men because God's interested in his people and it's amazing to me when you think about it I was reading, I was reading, I've been reading a a book on the, on the uh, science versus the Bible and it's been amazing to me. God put everything into existence that scientists have spent thousands of years trying to figure out and he spoke it into existence and turned his back on it, said it's very good. And went on his way. It's amazing, isn't it? What we call important may not be as important as we think it is. Uh, So we we looked at Jacob. Last week we began to uh, deal with this principle of brokenness that applies New Testament wise to every one of us. And and the first issue was our redemption. If, you've ever, if you're saved, if you ever get a sin forgiven, it is dependent upon a broken Savior. And we, tra- we just tracked him through the book of Luke last week, and I'm still amazed at how, how, how it all worked. From chapter 9, the the first two chapters of Luke is the birth and boyhood of Jesus. The next little bit of of, uh, Luke uh, gives you his lineage and and surroundings. And chapter 9 of Luke, verse 51 the Bible said he put his face, set his face toward Jerusalem. And the rest of the book of Luke deals with the breaking of our Savior. He, he was God of very God, but he had to be completely broken in order to be our Savior. And over there in John chapter 19, when he said it's finished, Consumato es. 
It's completely finished. It'll always be finished. He was, what was he talking about? He was talking about every bit of our sin placed upon him. And every bit of his life given as the sacrifice for our sins. So we looked at the redemption that comes through a broken Savior. And then we looked at the regeneration that comes through a broken sinner. I I want to say this because I, I just want I'm not going to go go there, but I I just want to say what we hear every day on the radio, the TV, and in many churches across America. What we're hearing today is just invite Jesus into your heart, and you can be saved. I want to say it's more than that. Jesus said two times in Luke chapter 13, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. It's not... We've got this good old boy Savior that is the theology of our day. We don't talk about sin. We never talk about hell. We do not convict, bring conviction on anybody Nobody, don't make anybody feel guilty. Let everybody feel good. We call it the purpose-driven or the user-friendly church. It's just not so. That's not Bible. Amen. He came and was broken for us. If we come to Him, we, we'll have to be broken in our own selves. There has to be a grief over sin if repentance is a change of mind about my sin. It means that I, and confession is an agreement with God about my sin. So if I repent to a point of confessing my sin to Him, true confession means that I have rejected my thoughts about sin, that lust and that desire and that, and that uh, pleasure of sin becomes a, a the, Bible say, God say, the Bible says that God is angry with sin every day. So if I have the mind of God about my sin, then confession is agreeing with Him about my sin. After repentance comes before confession. There's got to be a change of mind about my sin or I'll never honestly confess my sin to Him. And so what we do is we give, what we want to do is give Jesus a little corner of our life and get our security nailed down and then we'll go on and live our lives like we want to. We've got the idea that's Christian. That's not it. It takes a broken Savior for sinners, but it takes a broken sinner for saviors. And so, uh, so we've already covered those. And man, as soon as you start talking about it, you just need to cover it again. We'll never get it all covered. What did you say your grandpa used to say? Huh? He would say, if you're not under conviction, stay in your seat. Don't go to the altar. You don't belong down there. When he gave the invitation, his old preacher grandpa, old country preacher like I grew up under, when he gave an invitation, said, if you're broken for your sins, you come. But if you're not convicted for sin, don't come because it's a mockery in the sight of God. And And... It's a double jeopardy on your part because you, you've played the role of, of being saved and you weren't saved. And I can tell you from experience, that's a hard thing to unravel once you get it. That pride will keep you from ever getting a real deal. If you don't, if you don't get broken, you'll never get there. So, so we have...
We've covered redemption and regeneration. I want to talk about restoration. Just because we're saved doesn't mean that we are living for the Lord, right? I mean, every one of us, every one of us as humans have a sin nature. And, and the devil knows how to play the role. And he's not, he's not too concerned about those guys over there in the juke joints and the drug holes and the dance halls. And the, uh, yeah, he's already got them. Mm-hmm. Right. But what he'd like to do with us is distract us from Jesus and draw us out there somewhere in the world you know, might be, might not be nothing more than a fishing hole or a golf course or a, something that keeps me from serving the Lord. Or I don't know what. Maybe it'd be a, maybe it'd be a Max Factor. Mary Kay. Mar- uh, yeah, Mary Kay. I don't know what it'd be. I don't know what you. I've spent. I've. Sp- I have spent some hours in the sewing circle while Susie pawed through the material. My mother was the world's worst at it. She felt anything that had any orchid in it, she wanted to look at it and feel it. And uh, Susie picked up on some of that too, I think. It, you know, it's entertaining to go into one of those places where they sell material and sewing machines and stuff like that. You get a lot of education there. But I want to talk about restoration of a broken saint. Uh, and I've got some groundwork to do in the Psalms. Psalm 34. Verse 18. I think you, I, I would advise you to write these scriptures down at least. Maybe, maybe mark it in your Bible. Uh, I'm going to start in 16 and go down th- a little ways. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. What he says is, do you see that? The face of the Lord, let's back up to 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Do you believe this? That if I would get earnest in my prayer, God will hear my prayer. That if I will, that if I will humble myself in His sight, God will honor my requests with Him. He may not, He may not give me what I think I need, but He'll give me what is good for me. Romans chapter eight says the Holy Spirit helps our helps our prayer life and takes those prayers to God that we can't even utter. We, we don't even know what we... You ever get down and you don't know what to pray for, you just know you need God. So, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open to their cry. Every day, we used to sing a song back in the old days. This doesn't Maybe it doesn't even make sense anymore, but... It said, uh, Central's never busy, always on the line. You can talk to Jesus anytime. That may not make a lick of sense to you guys. But if you had lived where I lived on an eight-party line, and Central was over there in, in the, the old lady's parlor down, down in the little community, and if she was busy, you might as well forget it. You weren't going to get a phone call out. If she, if she happened to be doing the washing that day, 
And she may not be in the living room. Well, you you're not getting through. And if you and if the phone rings for you, it, our our phone was one long and one short. I think it was. And you could pick it up. I was I was a teenager about that time, and you could pick that up and hear it go click, 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 click. <laughs> Everybody knew what the code was. They knew that was not their number. But there was a lot of interference to getting a, getting a phone call. So when they sung that song, Central's never busy, always on the line, you can talk to Jesus just any time. That meant something back in those days. Now we could say, if we've got uh, internet, if it's up, and if uh, if we if, if we can get our computer tuned in, then we'll be able to get information. That I, that doesn't sound like a good song to me. <laughs> but understand this: He said, "You don't need any of that machinery. All you need is a heart seeking." The righteous can know that his ears are open to their cry anytime. But the other face of it, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Contrary to public opinion, our God is a holy God. He expects His people to be holy people. And He will give fellowship to those. He says over in Isaiah, My ear is not heavy that it cannot hear, and my arm is not shortened that it cannot save, but your iniquity has separated between you and your God. And so, 17, The righteous cry... And the Lord heareth and deliver them out of their troubles. 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save us such as be of a contrite spirit. Verse 18 describes, you know, when we say a broken heart, you see the teenager with that half a heart on their little necklace and the jagged edge on one edge of the heart. And so they're wearing a half a heart and some old boy over there somewhere's wearing the other half. Don't ever do that, girls. He doesn't, he doesn't care about your heart. He's not interested in your heart. And that doesn't describe the broken heart that's in this verse. It doesn't even come close. When he says a broken heart and a contrite spirit, now we come to the key to this principle of brokenness. A contrite spirit is has has to be in place if there's a broken heart toward God. But a con when he says contrite, it means ground down to powder. Every bit of my pride, every bit of my person, all that I am seeking to, you know, we come in here to church, am I dressed right, do I look right, have I got my hair combed right, do I wonder what kind of appearance every one of us, I read something today that said that everybody carries a, an aura with them. When you come into the congregation, you bring something with you, don't you? Some people bring a growly, bitter spirit into the group. Some people are like a Canary in a cage, it's a twit, 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 twit. You know, they used to sing that song, 
little bitty people have little bitty feet, and when they speak, they go tweet, tweet, tweet. <laughs> there's some of them around here. But then there's, then there's somebody who comes in. I'll never forget a fellow that used, used to stay with us once in a while. I can't, I can't even remember his name, but I'll never forget. Our, our boys were little. It's wonderful to entertain the missionary or the preacher and let, get your family exposed to some of God's people. Yeah, it's wonderful to be in this church, have the fellowship we have with some of God's people. But I'll never forget that fellow who came in. He didn't look like much. And he didn't, he wasn't a big guy. He didn't have a lot of presence about him when he came in. But when you came to the table and you said, Brother, would you pray for us? Wow. Before it was over, we knew we'd been in the presence of a man of God. It wasn't what he was out here, it was what he was in here. And that and that aura of holiness was about him. We had some men like that. I, I can't remember the fellow's name. Doris Davison is here. She didn't know him. But he was in India. He had given his life. He was a medical doctor, given his life in India. C.T. Abraham. No. no. I'm not talking. No. The doctor. He came on a Wednesday night. He was driving a 1973 Plymouth Valiant. Dr. Dearmore? No. He had presents. But uh, his... You ever see a 73 Valiant? That's the ugliest car that was ever produced. When he got out of his outfit... When he got out of his car, his outfit was, he still had them plaid britches. And uh, had a, a, he looked like something from the 60s or 70s. And he was a, he was a medical doctor in India who had given his life. He was, and now they, were, they, had, they had displaced him. He had to give up his hospital, move to Africa. And he was moving to Africa to start a new hospital. He was going to, we had some medical people in our church that kind of, they wanted to go, but they didn't have enough courage to step out for the Lord. That's all I can say. And, and they messed themselves up in life because they wouldn't do what God was put on their plate. But that, but that fellow who looked like nothing. He was kind of embarrassment even to come in your front door, you know. He was so far out of date. But what he had been is over there on the back side of nowhere alone with God. He didn't know what... Hey, he's a medical doctor. He could have been... He could have drove a Cadillac up there if he would have wanted to. But he had given everything he had all of his life just to be a man of God. Just to be uh, God's servant over the... Think about India of all places. No telling who he was dealing with or what he was dealing with. And now they're going to... They have uprooted him and sent him packing because of a government issue. But when he stepped into that pulpit, brother, he brought heaven down. He had presence with God. If you ever get around someone like that, you ought to get close to them and get as much of it as you can get while they're there. I had a, I had a preacher that preached for me. We couldn't hardly have a meal at our house because everybody in the church wanted to come over there and fellowship with Brother Roach. 
uh, while we because of the godliness that that man had on him. Help us find some folks like that. God said, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. You ought to underline that in your Bible. And, sa- and save us such as be of a contrite spirit. That, that spirit that is ground down to powder. All the pride, all the self-esteem, all the self-righteousness is all gone. It's all ground away. That verse points you to Psalm 51. The key verse of Psalm 51 is verse number 17. I want to read that and then we'll look at Psalm 51 in just a minute. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. We need to get a hold of that in America. We're a bunch of puffed up, proud folks. We, it's all about me. You can't drive down the street without somebody waving at you and cutting you off and we're just we're we're a pride filled country. We have no consideration for others. It's all about me. I you go to meetings and you see it in the you see it in the meetings. When Christian people came in and it pushed everybody aside, and and I I I remember going. I drove 500 miles up to North Arkansas. I was scheduled to preach. Uh, uh, There's two. They had two preachers on Sunday night. I was scheduled to be the last preacher. I got there just before the service started. The pastor called me aside. He said, "Brother Wayne, I hate to do this, but I'm." He'd had this thing scheduled for months. He said, I'm going to have to shift you around. He said, Brother so-and-so says he's got to go last. His message is is, uh, fitted for the last message. What a bunch of baloney. (laughs) It was all a pride thing. And that's what you see everywhere we go. As you, you don't have to get out on the streets. You can go in. You can go into Baptist churches all up and down the road, and you can find pride. You can find proud people. Certain people got certain jobs. Certain people do certain things, and if you don't like it, well, they'll just hit the trail, right? You've seen them. You know what I'm talking about. But here's what God says. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. You understand this chapter 51. It's the greatest leader that Israel ever had who committed one of the greatest sins that any leader ever committed. David and Bathsheba. The sto- you know that story. But look up here in verse number 1. He said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of, the, of thy tender mercies, and blot out my transgression." Well, that's easy to say that after you've committed murder and adultery. It's easy to it's easy to say it, isn't it? Well, what David's come to say, David wrote this Psalm seventeen, he said, Here's what it took. It took a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart for God to wash me and make me clean. 
See in verse number, it starts in verse number two. Wash me throughly. That doesn't say thoroughly. It says throughly. That's wash me inside and outside. Wash me in places that I can't, that nobody could wash me except you. Wash me and get me in a position that I can come again into your. Hey, 38 says he'll only hear the prayer of a righteous man. Did you get it? And now David's saying, I need to get hold of you, God. Wash me and make Look at down in verse. I acknowledge my transgression, my sin is ever before me. I surrendered to preach on that verse. My sin is ever before me. I'll never forget that old that old Indian from Georgia, Ed Ballou. Ed Ballou held his hanky up like this. He said, he said, when I get up in the morning, my sin comes up before me. He said, when I go out on the job and go down to work, my sin comes up before me. He said, when I, when I come home and sit down at the table, somebody's saying the, the prayer, my sin comes up before me. I go to church and we're singing, oh how I love Jesus. And my sin comes up before me. I was a deacon. I was a treasure. I was the, I was the leader of the church. I, I'd even done some lay preaching, brother Gary. But but I I was not where God wanted me to be. You understand it? You you can be you can just have all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. You can have your tie tied and have your hairdo fixed and you can just be everything. But until there's a broken spirit, until there's a contrite heart, until God has done something on the inside, you're not ready to talk to God. Don't expect to hear from Him. He said, He said, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil. And so now he's, com- he's doing a repentance and a confession of his sins. He says in verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now we just had this Sunday morning, right? It's not her it's not her an act of sin on her part that he was born, but it is her sin nature that she passed him to with. Behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts. I've got a good friend that's a preacher up there in Oklahoma on he's a pastor on the Creek Nation. He talked to me about that that lineback done that he bought. He's a cowboy. I think a lineback done is about the prettiest horse that ever. Roy Rogers had a trigger, but but for real horses, a lineback done is a beautiful horse. And and old Dustin said, I got a lineback done, Brother Wayne. He said, I had that old horse that I've been using. That old horse he has, has can throw a thousand pound bull. When he ropes and trips him, that he can take that bull down. He knows what he's doing. He don't look like much, but he said, "I got that line back done." And he said, "Oh man, it was a beautiful horse." He said, "Dressed him all up, got out there to to do some cow work, and he couldn't do anything." He said, "You know what the problem was? He he looked good on the outside, but he didn't have anything on the inside." I know some Christians like that. They look good on the outside. They can just be as they can just be as holy Joe as you want them to be. They can they can say the word, right words and they know how to put the right smile on and they even shed a few crocodile tears. What was that, brother? And but on the inside, there's nothing. 
Look at this. Thou desirest truth in the inward parts. I'll just stop right here and ask every one of us, how true is your life? You got anything coming out of the inward parts of your heart that is fake? You know who you are. I don't know who you are. You've got us all fooled. But just let me say, you had not got him fooled. On the inward parts. Now listen, I, I, I wanted to say this Look up there at verse number 2 again. He said, Wash me throughly from mine iniquity. That means wash me on the inside, wash me on the outside. Look down here at verse 7. Purge me with hyssop. I've got a, I got, hyssop is a little hairy leaf bush out there in the middle of the desert. And on that Passover, when uh, that first Passover, God instructed Moses, and Moses instructed the people, take the hyssop, dip it in that blood of the Passover lamb, and splash it on the lentils and doorposts of the house. And when I see that blood, I'll pass over you. He said, he said wash me with hyssop. What's he saying? He's pointing straight to Calvary, saying, wash me with that blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wash me with that pure, perfect, holy blood and cleanse me from sin. Make me what you want me to be on the inside. I can't wash my inside. Nobody else can wash my inside. But you can wash me and make me clean, Lord. I need your washing. And then he says, make me to hear. See, he says, purge me with hyssop and wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Only God can do that for us. We've all got some blot. I, I remember when I first surrendered to preach, Brother Bruce. And uh, I've, I had some of that old junk that I was just... I would be getting just getting ready to preach, and 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 God and the old devil would get up there beside me and remember, remember what you pulled, remember what you did. What if they come in here? What if they step into that congregation? You up here as a preacher. I went to I went to Borger, Texas the first time, and I went to high school at Stanette, ten years, ten miles from Borger. And Brother Jimmy said that, he said, Brother Wayne, I want you to preach on the radio in the morning for church. He said, you went to school over there. They all know you in that neighborhood over there. He said, if you get on there and if you give your testimony and preach a little bit, we might get some of those folks that you knew. I thought, oh Lord. Man, you talk... You talk about, I, I didn't see them, and they didn't come. But I got up and told them who I was in high school. I'm not going to tell you what they called me. But I told them that day who I was. I gave them my nickname so they would know who I was. And told them that I had been saved and cleansed and washed and made fresh and new, and now I wanted to tell them about Jesus. Amen. I guess I scared them away. They didn't come to the meeting. <laughs> but I was, hey, you talk about fearful. They knew me. They knew who I was. They knew every failure I'd ever made. They knew those. He said, purge me with hyssop. That's on the inside. And I'll be clean. Wash me. That's on the outside. And I'll be whiter than snow. And then you can go right down through here. He says, make me. 
Hide thy face from my sins. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You don't have to worry about that if you're saved. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. I'll teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. You You understand what he's asking for? He's murdered a man. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. God's got enough grace to forgive a murderer. And and, uh, my tongue shall sing of thy righteousness. Open my lips. My mouth will show forth your praise. Uh, Thou desirest not sacrifice, else I'd give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, thou will not despise. That's the only way to get to God. And we neglect to say it. I want us to come back to that place. I want us to come back to a place of a pure heart before a holy God. restoration I don't have time to go to the next I'd like to go to the next one Jeremiah chapter 18 he he says in verse number 4 of Jeremiah 18 and the vessel he said I went down to the potter's house and he wrought a work on the wheels Verse 4, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel that seemed good to the potter to make it. I told you all about going down to the dime store uh, and buying that little stick of clay. You used to be able to get one for about a less than a quarter. I don't know how much they were. 15 cents or 10 cents. little old stick of clay about that big a square. And about that long. And so if I got a quarter from my mother, I could go down there and get a stick of clay and sometimes I'd get a lifesavers to go with it and go home and begin to work with that clay. You understand how, how the potter works with clay? He said, I saw him at the wheels. He's spinning that wheel with his feet and the wheel is turning. He puts that clay right in the middle of it He does not begin by fixing a big old pretty vase or something out of it. He begins by putting his hand on the inside. And if there's any blemish on the inside, he'll have to either change and throw the clay away or he'll have to clean up the inside of his vessel before he can go further. That's exactly what God wants to do with it. Hey, you're not fooling any. You're not fooling Him. You may look. You may be a lineback done on the outside, but He's not impressed with that. He's looking for something on the inside, and He's going to put His hand right in there in the most inner part of you, and know exactly where the blemish is. The verse says the and the clay was marred in the hand of the potter. The vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. That world out there doesn't have to worry about that. You and me have to worry about that. We who are the vessels have to worry about that. He didn't say he threw the clay away. I love that song. He didn't throw the clay away. He didn't didn't have to throw What he said was he made it again. Isn't that good, Alan? I mean, after years, he can make it again. A vessel that seemed honorable to him. He can break us and make us and change us like he wants us to be. Over in Isaiah chapter 66, let's see. I'll just give you 64. I'll read these verses. 
64 verse number 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There's none that calleth on thy name and stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay, and thou our potter, and we are all the work of your hand. Somebody wants to come and say, boy, that was good preaching, Brother Wayne. Well, if it was, God did it. I couldn't do it. God had to do it. Over to chapter 66. Verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build, uh, build unto me? And where's the place of my rest? They're, see, they're, they're mourning because they don't have a temple. For all these things hath my hand made, and all these things have, have, have been, uh, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth, trembleth at my word. He's talking about a broken heart, a broken spirit. Get out of myself. Get over on the wheel and let him make the vessel that I can't make of myself. You, you can't get educated enough to have a broken heart and a broken spirit. You can't achieve enough. You can't pile up enough money. You can't, there's, there's no, no righteous deeds you can do. It's a work of God or it's no work at all. And the only way he works is through that broken heart, broken spirit, broken uh, person who he has called to be a vessel of honor of his service. Wish I had more time. We'd go over to Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, he says, he's saying to those Jews, he said, you're all wanting to do something in the law. He said, the law's a schoolmaster. And said, when you're, when you're a child, the servant's not any better. I mean, the child is no better than the servant. You're just one of the... But he said, but in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman and made under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I can't achieve it. You can't achieve it. But in Jesus Christ, Hey, when he went to that cross, he, he sweat great drops of blood, wept, broken, remember? Scourged, wore that crown of thorns, the blood was shed. He was completely broken. For who? For us. And in him, we become the vessels of honor that God is the, those servants that God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. In Him. As I yield myself over to the work that Jesus has done, God honors, hey, that's the only time my heart is right. Only when He's doing something In me. We are one need to get it. It'll take a broken saint to be reconciled to God. I've got a whole thing over in Second Corinthians. God wants us to be crackpots. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you some other time. So, didn't he say that? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You ever see one of them didn't have a crack? I just threw some away the other day. They're 
They looked good, but they wouldn't hold water. There's a lot of us look good, but we don't hold any water. We, huh? He said, a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. The principle of brokenness. We'll probably move next time to the pattern of brokenness. But boy, it's been. It, I don't know if any of this has helped you, but it's helped me. It, it's been a blessing to me. Well, I stand. Brother Daniel, would you pray for us, please?